Alrighty, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. My name is Bruce Johnson, joined today, as always, by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello, everybody. And uh, yeah, today we are in slightly, at least I am in a slightly different location. Um, we had a slight change of plan in the usual schedule, and unfortunately, um, the special guest we were hoping to have on this week, special guest uh, comedian John Brennan, was not able to make it this week. So we were like, oh, okay, let's see what we can put together. Um, and we were like, you know what? Every single Literature Wednesday, we always have a ton of literature quotes that we never get to and we're always complaining at the end of the show and we're always just like so frustrated and we're like dang it there's so much more we wanted to talk about and there's so much more we wanted to get to so much more content we wanted to cover and we never get a chance to well today is um our lucky day because <laughs> now we get to <laughs> and, and hopefully you enjoy this as well it might be a little bit of a shorter episode um because obviously it's it's not like leftovers, but it's what we didn't get to from the Wednesday episode. So, you know, there's a little bit less content than usual, but we still think it'll be a profitable show and it will give you some um, additional concepts and thoughts to consider and resources to study and delve into. So let's get into this. Uh, before we start to delve into all of that content, though, <clears throat> we have to do what we always do every episode, which is talk about our verse of the week. Um, and yeah, it's Friday. This is our last episode this week. So this is our last week or episode with this verse. Um, so our verse this whole week has been Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. And, uh, those verses say, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. And again, that's Hebrews chapter 12 verses 28 and 29. <clears throat> so we've been talking about this verse all week. There's been um, a lot of other in-depth study that we've put into this throughout the week. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time going into all the details and trying to cover every single little um, facet and aspect of this verse. But um, I'm going to pull out a few little things that I didn't quite talk about yet. So What's really cool about this is, um, you know, we're, we're told to be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Um, and I think we've talked a little bit about this before, but I do want to bring this up again, is that we should be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken because everything that can be shaken has been shaken out or is in the process of being shaken out right now. So what we're inheriting is the, the perfected version of what it was before it started being shaken. <laughs> and if you go back to our Monday episode, we talked a lot more about what all of that shaking, what that referenced. Um, that there's a passage in Haggai that this is being drawn from. Um, and the writer of Hebrews extrapolates that and adds some additional insights and, and details and explains it a little bit more. It gives a commentary on that verse. So if you missed our Wednesday and Monday episodes, I would recommend you check those out for additional context on this verse and a little more in-depth study we did. Um, Jake did a wonderful job breaking down the 
second part, uh, which is talking about acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Um, and then we talked a little bit about the consuming fire and how that puts us in a mindset of um, our worship, right? So we're worshiping a God who is a consuming fire, and that's something we need to remember. Uh, so yeah, worshiping him, worshiping him with reverence and awe. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So again, all of that, there's additional um, context in our previous episodes. And if you would like to find our previous episodes, I would highly recommend you check out our show website, which is trdshow.net. We've got links to tons of different platforms that we're on, including ones that hate free speech, like, for instance, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Then we're also on platforms that actually care about the First Amendment, such as Rumble and Gab TV. So woohoo! Um, check all of those out. And that's all on our show website, trdshow.net. We got links to all of those platforms where you can see our Monday and Wednesday episodes. Also, send our show an email if you would like to get in touch with us and give us comments, talk about what we've been talking about, share additional things. We would love to get emails from you. Send them to trdshow at protonmail.com. Trdshow, it's the reform dissenters, trdshow at protonmail.com. So, um, yeah kind of delving into this a little bit. Um, I think I'll go back to the previous. So I broke a lot of my quotes up into different sections. And one of my, one of the sections we were talking about absolute and unconditional submission to every authority is not biblical. Um, and notice I put qualifiers on that, right? I, I, I put some modifiers and I said, absolute and unconditional submission. That doesn't mean that submission to authority is a wrong thing. It doesn't mean that we should always be, you know, pushing against literally every single system in place. That's anarchy, and that's completely antithetical to scripture. The, the interesting thing is that um, that that is what the the Jews and the Christians were doing of that time. So, right, they were just attacking Rome for the sake of attacking Rome. They weren't. They weren't pointing out the the problems in Rome and in, in, in how they differed from God's rule and how they were supposed to be. Uh, but um but yeah they were just attacking Rome for the sake of attacking Rome. And so yeah. the reason we have Romans thirteen is because of that. It's in like a counter counteracting that saying, no, <laughs> stop, don't do that. Yeah. We, we, we want to make sure that the government is being biblical, but we don't just attack it for the sake of attacking it. Yes. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so along those same lines, um, we, we, we are called to submit at, at certain points. So on page 67, Gary DeMar said, Christians must submit themselves to those who rule, Romans 13.1. Keep in mind, however, that civil authorities are not absolute in the way that they exercise their authority. Governors do not have the right or authority to define what's good and evil, um, end quote. So just like Jacob was saying, yeah, Romans 13 was developed, was written partially in response to all of this, these uprisings, right, that the Jews were, were carrying on with. Um, but it was also a summarizing of the judicial laws, a summarizing of the biblical responsibilities of civil government. It's not a complete outlining of every single responsibility and duty and um, application of those duties, but it's a summarization of the rest of Scripture and how it pertains to the civil government. 
So, um, so page 68, um, Gary DeMar had some really good things to say and it, it all goes along the lines of submission is not always wrong. Submission to civil authority. So page 66, uh, Gary DeMar said, Jethro recognized a basic fact of institutional life. The second point in the biblical covenant, the necessity of hierarchy and delegated authority under God. God has established a bottom-up system of multiple hierarchies, family, church, and state. That's the civil governments. This means that we must always be obedient where obedience is required by God's law, end quote. Um, and this, this sort of obedience, this what we're talking about here, this balance between, hey, you've overstepped your bounds, you misunderstand the law, jurisdiction, jurisdictional authority means to speak the law, but to speak the law, you have to know the law. And the law delegates where you have authority, where your confines are as a government, whether you are the government of self, family, church, or state. So to be able to jurisdictionally separate those authorities, we have to be people who can balance those things. We can say, hey, you've stepped out of your jurisdictional authority. But then we can also say, hey, they're doing what they should do. I need to submit here. Um, and what Gary DeMar has been going through is the responsibilities of each of these realms all the way. We're on chapter six now. And he's been going step by step and talking about all of those different realms. And that's really important. The, the, the common man, without uh, apart from the Holy Spirit, the depraved fallen man, fully depraved man that we are apart from the Holy Spirit, is not capable of doing that, is not capable of balancing those things, making those distinctions, studying the Word of God, and drawing those applications from it. Which is why all of this that we're talking about, everything that Gary DeMar's been talking about this whole time we've been going through all of the chapters in this book, is impossible apart from the working of the Holy Spirit in a society. So just like we talked about with Christian nationalism, apart from uh, God, apart from the one who gives you freedom, you can't have real freedom. And if you do, it's only for a second, and it's fleeting. And you're running on the fumes of a previous generation that had real freedom because they were following the Word of God and they had the Holy Spirit. Um, Anything you'd like to add there, Jake? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, some, something interesting is that, you know, we, we hear submission, and, like, a lot of people think that submission means that you're lower than the other person. Mm, but yes. When we're talking about the different governments, we're, mm -hmm. like he's mentioning family, church, and state, uh, I would also add individual. The individual yep. is not lower than, than any of these. Yeah. The individual is at the same level. They're all at the same level. They all have the same amount of power. They all have the, they don't have the same power. They have the same amount of power. They yes. all are, are equal. Yeah. But yeah. each one submits to each other. Um, something Doug Wilson had said is that um, the Son, God the Son, submits to God the Father. God mm. the Son and God the Father of are are the same. Are the, are on the same exact level. They are both equal. But God the Son submits to God the Father. So mm. it doesn't mean that they have more or less power, or they are better than the other other person, or better than the other institution. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. That's a really good distinction. Really good distinction to make. There's a, um, there is a book on an audio book that just came out on Canon plus called masculine Christianity. Um, 
really, really good book. I think I'm, I think I'm in a chapter three, which is like three hours into it. <laughs> it's, it's huge, but, um, but it's, it's a really good book. And he, he talks about that in chapter two about how, um, just submitting just because you're submitting doesn't mean that you're of less importance or that you are weaker, right? Or that you are, you know, oh man, I'm just not as smart or I'm not as, no, it means that there is hierarchy and God has developed that hierarchy um, in the same way that God has put the husband in covenantal um, authority over the wife. That authority, that headship comes with responsibilities. That means that he has to take responsibility for her, for her mistakes, take responsibility for protecting her, for providing for her, for providing spiritually, providing emotionally, providing physically, and a lot of things. And it goes both ways, but there's still that hierarchy. There's still that um, authority, and there's still that submission under that authority. So, yeah. Really good point to make, Jake. Nice job. Very cool. Um, so the the next section that we talked about, we touched on this on Wednesday, but I only pulled out two quotes from here. I have one bigger quote that I think is really interesting. Um, and, and that's under the capstone, the heading of the qualifications of the civil governmental office. <clears throat> on page 81, Gary DeMar said, the responsibility for choosing godly leaders rested with the people. Moses then chose from those presented to him as worthy leaders. And then he quotes, uh, what's, what is this? Uh, oh, shoot. I think it's Exodus. Exodus one fifteen. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Exodus one fifteen says, So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and experienced men, and appointed them heads over you, leaders of thousands and of hundreds, of fifties and of tens, and officers for your tribes. And then uh, Gary DeMar went on and said, Judges were chosen with the same moral and experiential considerations. Chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. In time, however, Israel rejected this procedure and chose a different standard for determining leadership. They, the people wanted a king like all the nations, all the nations around them, right? Someone who would meet their desires, who would meet their desires rather than God's requirements. And that's for Samuel 8, 5, end quote. <clears throat> so again, what we see here is originally the people were focused on God. The people had the understanding that they were going to, they, they had more wisdom, right, to structure their civil government in a way where there were delegated authorities, where power was distributed in a wise manner, where it wasn't all consolidated in just one person. There was more wisdom there because we find where does, where does knowledge and wisdom begin? begins with the fear of the Lord. But when people started to lose that fear, when people started to not worship God or thank him um, or worship him as God, we see Romans 1 sets in, their foolish hearts were darkened. And then we see, we want a king. We want to be like everybody around us. They they look like they're living such great lives. We want that too. And so they became stupid. <laughs> we do it too. It's not tongue in cheek. It's literally, that's the, that's the fact of the matter. They became fools just like we become fools when we turn away from the word of God. And they wanted a king. And so this falls under the heading of qualifications because we're talking about, well, what is, what is this person that we're wanting to put in office? Think about the qualifications. Think about the kind of person that these people would want as a king to have complete authority. Who did they pick? 
they picked a man who was a horrible man who hunted down David for years uh, and wanted to kill him. Um, horrible, horrible person. So we we should be thinking about, you know, when we have delegated authority, we have separation of powers. We have this this spear, this spread out authority, right? Where it's not all consolidated in one place. We need to think about the people that we're putting in there. We need to think about the qualifications and the qualifications for those kinds of people should be, are they restrained by the Holy Spirit? Are they showing fruits of good work? Are they, do they at least, at the very least, claim to be a Christian? If not, we've got a big problem because that's step one out of like 40. <laughs> like You, you got to go from there. If you have no, that's your foundation. If you have no foundation, then I'm sorry, you're out. Um, so um, I, I say, think Jake. something something interesting here is we think about um well the way this happened where the people wanted a king but that was seen as wrong, right? The the way it's described in the Bible is oh it's it's not a good thing. But the problem of it is not that they wanted a king. It's that they wanted a king like all the other nations. Nations around them, yep. Um, I think the, the key part here is when when Christ came and was talking about different things, Christ didn't have a problem with Caesar. Christ had a problem that Caesar wasn't instituting God's law. Yeah. So the problem is not the king. It's what the king will do. Um, the 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 key principle is that the king or whoever is in charge is following God's law, and that institutes God's law. So the, yeah. the problem is not is not the king itself. It's that the king although, institutes God's law. Although I think part of it too is <clears throat> an unwise people, an unwise group of people will consolidate all their power in one person like a king yeah that's being yeah. that's being unwise but when wisdom abounds when the nation is re- ruled by the holy spirit is reigned in restrained and their foolish hearts aren't darkened we have wisdom early days of israel they created a democratic republic early days of america we repeated that and we did it a yeah. second time yeah when wisdom abounds in the nation is not completely given over to sin. The wise thing, the wise course of action is not to give all your power to one man. And the reason we don't support a king today is because we already have a king and his name is Christ. And there should no there should not be kings under him. There should be others, authorities. Gary Demar talked about that in God and Government. Um, but I can I totally understand the sentiment of saying, hey, um, you know, the, the authority is not the problem. It's, hey, what what's the kind of person you're putting in there? What are the motivations behind who you're putting in there? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that totally, in a nation, for, for instance, like England or nations today that do have kings, that's a huge problem, right? But that's not top of the list problem. <laughs> that's like, once you fix the rest of the nation, that should hopefully dissolve and you'll get a, a better form of government. Yeah. Um, I think the, the best form of government is the, the judges like they had in early Israel with Moses 
being the judge. Um, but yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Good point. So let's see, I will just wrap up <clears throat> with a few quotes here. So I have a whole section, um, called, I titled it, <clears throat> excuse me. There is not, cannot, and should not be neutrality, quote unquote, neutrality in the realm of civil government. So the idea of neutrality in civil government, we touched on this a little bit on Wednesday, but hopefully by this point you recognize that that's just, that's impossible. People are like, oh, you want to legislate morality. Um, you're legislating morality. You can't not legislate morality. Yeah. It gets yeah. legislated in some way or another. Somebody 30 years ago decided they were fine with babies getting murdered before they were born. And that got legislated. We overturned it last year, but it got legislated. Somebody legislated that. And I care to bet that it was not a Christian. (laughs) Hopefully not a Christian. The unbelievers legislated their morality. They um, legalized the gay mirage, people pretending to be married who are two men or two women. They legalized that severally in 2015. They, they legislate their morality. They just don't want us to legislate ours. And that's a problem. So anyways, page 72. Um, let's see. Before, before I get to the quote, apparently quoting from the Office of Strategy Services, the OSS, which was apparently the precursor to the CIA. I hadn't heard of that, but it sounded kind of cool. Um, on uh, page 72, Gary DeMar said, Christianity was considered a threat to the governing authorities in Nazi Germany similar to what's now taking place in China, Islamic nations, and in parts of the United States. Over time, churches were confined as far as possible to the performance of narrowly religious functions, and even within this narrow sphere were subjected to as many hindrances as the Nazis dared to impose, end quote. So Nazi Germany understood that the church was important and that the church steered society. So one of the first things they started to do was they're like, that's a threat. We need to rein it in. We need to control that. Because if they could control the church, they could control the rest of society. Um, and that ultimately bubbled up to civil government. And, and that's something that's really important for us to understand. Civil government runs downstream of culture. It's downstream of the people. It's downstream of the mainstream ideologies it is not the the problem itself it is a symptom of the problem if like jacob was jacob was talking about taxation on on wednesday whenever there's high taxes over taxation that's not the problem itself that's a result of the problem that means that things are there's there's a major issue lower down somewhere in society um, and we need to address that problem and not go after the symptom first. Sure, as we're addressing the problem, we can also maybe address the symptom at the same time, simultaneously. We can do those two things. They can be hold in simultaneous positions. But what can't happen is we try to address the problem, or we try to address the symptom, civil government, before we try to address the problem, the hearts and minds of the people, and ultimately the pulpit of the church. Um, any thoughts on that, Jake? Before I move on to my final quote. 
it is true that like the the church does shape the nation and we see that all throughout history um but i mean i think it's been diffused recently to mm-hmm. where that's not the first thing that we think of um we don't think that we we think of the top down first we think of the government being the one that controls the nation and yeah. all the other things are smaller and they don't affect it as much um yep. But it, it's interesting, here's a thought, is that intentional? Is that the mm. way that our nation they want, has, yeah. yeah, right, like Nazi Germany, is that our nation trying to curb the church so yep. that the church is like, uh, we, we can't, we can't affect anything. We're not going to be able to do yeah. anything. Uh, might as well not try. Yep. Yep. And if that was their goal, they sure did a great oh, yeah, job performing one that. Of that. Yeah. <laughs> Carrying that out. Yeah. Execution of that plan was superb. Um, so I'll just, I'll wrap up with a quote. We'll end a little early because um, it'd be a bit of a shorter episode and, you know, better for drive time, I guess. <laughs> um, but this reiterates a sentiment that I hope by this point, if you've been listening to us for, any extent of time, I hope this sentiment rings true with you. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I've heard this. This makes a lot of sense. This is the most important concept. If this is the only thing you get out of this episode, this is, this is the thing to get out of this. It's the most important concept and we need to understand it. Freedom can only come from the one who created it. Freedom, real freedom, lasting freedom and peace can only come from the one who created it. Where did our rights come from? We were endowed with certain inalienable rights from where? From God. Not from us, not from the civil government, not from each other, not as a collective societal group of democratic thinking people. No, from God. That's where our rights come from. Page 78, Gary DeMar said, Peace can only be realized through the life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. Genuine and lasting peace will not come through law, force, political promises, or compromises. The elimination of poverty, the establishment of a one-world humanistic government, or the military threat of mutual assured destruction. End quote. It can't come from any of those things. And yet, over 2,000 plus years, every single one of those has been tried and has failed miserably, fallen flat on their face. We need to realize that's not where freedom comes from. And we need to start asking, well, where does it come from? And that's where I think we'll leave it today. Anything you want to add? Go ahead. Yeah. As an addition, um, the think of this, I I think the, the terminology has been changed, but the, the government does not, give us rights, does not allow us to have rights. The government protects our rights. We yep. have the rights. And and the founding fathers did not want to create the Bill of Rights because they did not want to create a list of rights. Because they knew they wouldn't there would be one right that they didn't think of and then it would be not protected. Yeah. And so but the government does not have the ability to give us rights. They can only protect them. Yep. Well said. Well said. 
All right. Well, thank you all, everyone, so much for watching or listening to us today. Don't forget, show website, trdshow.net. Send us an email, trdshow at protonmail.com. We're looking forward to seeing you all on Monday, where we come back and talk about current events from a biblical perspective. And until then, everyone, remember, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord. <laughs>